0: Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. It may be today that... uh, That today is the first day that you start communicating with God. Or maybe you had a relationship where you chatted with God but it's gone a little bit quiet. Just for 30 seconds, we're going to take some time and we're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to believe that our God is the miracle maker. That He sits on the throne. That He is interested in us. That in and through Him, all things are possible so just for the next 30 seconds where you are no matter where you are on your faith journey just take some time and just hand it over to God thank you God it's a moment between you and our Heavenly Father He knows where you're at He knows your heart He knows what's been troubling you Father in heaven, it's cleared a pathway for us. He's gone before us and we give him thanks in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you, band. I'm going to let you guys go for just a moment. What a great job. We are in a series called This Is Important To Us. And it's a series about looking forward forward. And it's a series uh, on what we value. It's not about our values, but it's about what we value. What is our DNA? What makes us up? And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared on uh, vision and purpose and the direction we're going. And then we heard from Jono, who shared a beautiful message on fun. Having a flash mob in church giving our Christmas carols is a bit of fun, right? Right? You know, in that Christmas service that we do, we can invite our neighbours, we can boldly invite anybody out there because Christmas is an opportunity. I believe Christmas is a free hit. It's a free hit. When you say to people, come to a Christmas carols," it's kind of like this free hit. They will, I can tell you now, they will feel the presence of God in this place. Because we will sing some Christmas carols and they will f- know that Jesus Christ was born on that day. Next week, we're going to be looking at the value or what we value of prayer. I feel that there's a very powerful message coming in prayer. And instantly we can go, "Wow, oh, that'll be a little bit boring because it's prayer. Prayer is the foundation of who we are. And this week, leading up to that, we're going to have three opportunities to gather together in prayer. Because praying by ourselves is good and, you know, I I find a chair at home where I have my time, I do my beach walks, but there's something very special when two or three are gathered together. So Monday, tomorrow night at 5.15, if the weather's good, we'll be out on the lawn, if it's not, we'll be in the atrium. Tuesday morning at 7.15 in the morning, so if you're an early morning person, and then again Wednesday night at 5.15. Three separate opportunities. I encourage you to make one of them. Change your calendar, get off work 15 minutes early, whatever you need to do, come and spend prayer. Now, here's the thing. You do not have to be a great orator or be, you know, I'm going to have to do some sort of corporate prayer. That's not what it's about. It's about getting together in the body of Christ because there's something that comes off others when they pray. Often you can just be there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and there is this beautiful feeling as you hear others pray. So I encourage you to um, come into that space. Today we are going to touch uh, on something a little bit different, and it's an area of our faith that is somewhat polarizing, and that is to comprehend that God is so interested and cares for us so much that he would consider hearing our prayers and taking situations that in the natural seem impossible and making them possible. Miracles. It's polarizing. And at the end of the service today, I'm actually going to put this out there now. At the end of the service today, I'm going to ask our cafe team, our serving team, not to go as soon as we have ministry time, but I want you to stay in here. If that means that people wait five more minutes for a coffee, I'm okay with that. Our Heavenly Father waits all the time for us. Because I believe that today there will be significant moments where people will be set free, that there will be breakthroughs physically, mentally, and in areas of our life that have held us back. You see, we often look at healing as being, you know, well, I've got something wrong with me and I need to get well and I'm going to walk out the door and I'm completely well. Often it's a mental thing that we need to work through. Often it is a relationship thing that has broken down and caused us fatigue and anxiety and brokenness. And I believe that God is the God who's looking to make the impossible possible. You know, although we read hundreds of of miracles occurring in the scriptures, they can often seem like fairy tales. And that's why it's so polarizing to speak about it. They can often seem like they're a feel-good story that, you know, happened in a galaxy far, far away. And as it relates to our life, it kind of seems like when, when God was handing out miracles, that we were, we were stuck in the toilet and we missed out. That when God was handing out healing miracles, or when God was handing out miracles, that, that he kind of, you know, was going along the line and he was handing them out, but, but we've been crying out for years and years and... And somehow he's missed us. Somehow he hasn't seen us. And so we end up with this question of: Is God really interested in me? I've seen him heal others, but is he really interested in me? I mean, I have a faith, but there's seven seven billion other people on the earth. Does God know that I'm suffering? Does God know that I wake up every morning and my back is so bad that I can barely get out of bed? Does God even know that I exist? It's not that question that I want to tackle this morning. But when our lives are unexpectedly interrupted by sickness or by a a situation that occurs... That feeling of insignificance can strike us. Even King David posed exactly those thoughts. In Psalm 8, he said, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should even think about them? Human beings that you should even care about them. Then he says this. He says, Yet. You made them, you made us only a little lower than God. And then you crowned us with glory and honour. Does God care for us? Well, he crowned us with glory and honour, dignity and worth. And he must care for us somewhat because he went a step further and then put us in charge of everything else on earth. But herein lies a challenge. It's almost like we can read that scripture that the authority of God has graciously given us and take it to mean that we don't need God anymore. Because in a westernized culture, we can fix it ourselves. It's like we've grown up and we don't need God. That we can take care of the situation. What offended me most in the recent... TV interviews was the accusation that as a movement, we would dare to believe that you can buy yourself a miracle, that you could buy impossibility, that we don't need God in the equation because somehow along our journey and in our intelligence, we've worked out how to bypass God. In 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honour. Then it says, give God all your worries. Sorry, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. Let me be very clear. A miracle is not a miracle unless God is involved. You see, the Israelites didn't walk through this wall of water, uh, this, this sea of water on dry land, because they had built a dam upstream because they had great engineers. They did so because God created a possibility in a situation that seemed impossible. A crowd of 5,000 people didn't all of a sudden eat everything they need because they found a whole heap of barbecues out the back and a butcher that was open. They ate all that they were needed and had 12 basketfuls left over because God turned what was an impossible situation into possible. A widow down to her last meal didn't end up with a supply of oil and water because she all of a sudden found the back door open to her neighbor's house and could instantly just keep filling up her jars each time. No, she saw a miracle occur right before her very own eyes because she trusted God and was obedient with what little she had. As you may have seen on our social pages uh, this week, Today, we are going to hear the story of Gemma, a young woman who found herself in a situation where her life was interrupted, her dreams temporarily shattered by what is a debilitating, horrible sickness. I'm aware that what we share today is potentially very difficult for some to hear, and that some may even be going through the same scenario. But we're believing, as Gemma and I have met and as our spiritual team have been praying for this, that Gemma's story and the boldness and the courage she delivers it with will bring a light to those who are suffering. There's a story found in the Gospels that speaks of a woman who experienced an incredible interruption in her own life that would last for 12 years. We don't know her life story before that. But we know that as a result of her sickness, she'd lost a great deal. She lost control of her body. She lost control of her her identity. Don't you know when someone's sick, they don't even know your name. They just say, oh, that's that woman who's sick. She'd lost an element of, of certainty. You see, with a chronic illness, everything becomes contingent upon the condition. She'd lost her place in society. She'd lost her resources. We read that she'd spent all she had. She was financially bankrupt. She was emotionally spent. And she was physically weak. And maybe the most challenging of all can be the fear of losing hope. This woman had been sick for 12 years and was in the, in the natural completely broken. But deep inside, as we read the story, we, we read that she maintained a faith And a hope that she would get well. You can just imagine her coming up behind the crowd. Just touch him. If I can just touch him. On the head, no, that would be irreverent. On the hand, no, that would be far too familiar. But there can't be any any damage done if I just touch his robes. In verse 27, it says she had heard about Jesus, so she came behind him through the crowds and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robes, I will be healed. In the midst of a season of despair and nothing, this woman had a faith that she would be healed. I'm going to ask you to put your hands together as we invite Gemma up onto the stage. Oh, it's Christmas time. Come on. Oh, my present. Pre- my present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Fantastic. Gemma. Sean. Great to have you here.
1: Thank you. You're wearing yellow. Yes, it is my favorite color.
0: Was it always your favorite color?
1: Yeah, when I was 5, I got my own bedroom and I asked dad or dad asked me what color I wanted and I said lelo. 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 Yeah. He opened up the can and was like, "It's pink." And I'm here looking at it going,
0: But it's yellow. Did you drink mellow lalo? Anyway, that's that's an old person's joke. Gemma, you are a 27-year-old, fully healthy woman, uh, married to Troy for the past six years. You work in a great career with plenty of opportunities ahead of you, believing one day for a family, the white picket fence, the dog, the cat, the goldfish. And then suddenly in January last year, your life was interrupted. Can you tell us about that moment standing in your bathroom in January last year? Yeah,
1: so um, I was just drying off one day and came across a lump. And I was like, oh, that that doesn't seem like it should be there. But I'd never been one of these women who was very good at, you know, checking all the spots and everything. But um, I just had this feeling that this wasn't good. Uh, I hoped It was all clear, Uh, but it was, yeah, it was scary. And I think I called Troy, and I'm like, can you feel this lump? And he was like, oh, maybe there's something there. And so I had a doctor's appointment scheduled for a few weeks' time anyway. And so when I mentioned it to her, she had a check, and I was really blessed, actually, because she was... She used to work at a breast clinic in Brisbane, and so she didn't get there and say... No, you're too young, it's, it's nothing. She, she sent me four tests and, yeah, and unfortunately it, it was cancer.
0: Did you go straight away for the test?
1: Uh, no, no, she sent me for an ultrasound and I, I work in politics and I'd been uh, asked to work on the state campaign Uh, last year and I was like I do not have time for that right now (laughs) so I put it off until after the campaign Uh, it wasn't too long I wasn't going to be one of these people who is ignorance is bliss
0: but there's something about that Gemma in that uh, and and when we met over the last couple of weeks we talk about the thing is that we don't have time for sickness I've got things to do I've got a journey ahead of me. I've got my plans before me. We don't have time for sickness.
1: No. <laughs> I did not. Um, you know, work is busy. My boss is a hard worker and therefore I have to work hard. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, Troy and I are busy in life. And, and yeah, it just was not something that... It, it was not on my radar.
0: So, Gemma, at 27... You've just used the, the C word, cancer. I want you to share with us what it was when you were in the specialist room, sitting there, hoping, praying, believing, and then she shares with you that news.
1: Yeah, I think time stood still in that moment and it felt like it wasn't even me, uh, you know, Troy and I had been talking in the waiting room about, you know, renovating our laundry and normal things. And then in that moment when she said the test results has shown a malignant tumour, I have always loved words. But in that moment, I just... All my comprehension was gone and I think I was just staring at her like, you know, did I actually hear you right? And she had to say, it's cancer. And I just broke and uh, Troy was being very strong next to me uh, even though that was pretty tough and yeah it was I just still sometimes can't even believe that that was said to me
0: the words were said to you right at that time did you did you blame God were you angry at God
1: Um, I think in that moment I was just so confused. Why was this happening to me? I'd been, you know, lived a healthy life. I didn't drink much. I didn't ever smoke. Never did any drugs or anything like that. Um, And, yeah, so I think I was a little bit angry in that moment. And, uh, yeah, it just... I just didn't know why. I felt really alone.
0: Did you ask the question, why me, God?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely did. <laughs> Many times. I still sometimes feel like I do.
0: So you've got the news. The doctor's told you the news. You're sitting there. What, what is the first thing going through your mind? Am I going to die from this?
1: I don't know that I ever thought that I would die from it. I just, yeah, my life was just suddenly interrupted. And my first thought actually, besides, you know, okay, where do we go from here? I just felt God say to me, I know who goes before me. I know who stands beside uh, the God of angel armies is always by my side. And that was just so clear. And actually, when I got home, one of my sisters, I'm one of four girls, she sent me a text message with those exact words. She didn't know? She didn't know. I mean, she knew about the cancer at that point, but mm. uh, she didn't know that I'd had that moment in the doctor's.
0: You shared with me, Gemma, because this is your story, but it's also Troy's story, your husband, that he was brave and bold as he's sitting there and then he had to make the phone call, was it to your mum?
1: Yeah, to mum. She actually knew when it was Troy calling, not me, what it was. Um, but we'd gone out to the car and I was sitting in there and uh, Troy got out and called mum and he just went to water. He couldn't hold it in anymore. Did that break you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> more. <laughs> uh, It was tough because he's always been someone... He feels very deeply but is always wanting to be strong and brave, particularly when I'm struggling.
0: Could I say that he wanted to fix it?
1: Yeah, he's a builder. He likes to fix things. Uh, He could not fix this. (laughs) And to know that he had no control, I think, was really hard on him, on both of us.
0: You use that word and you use that when we met during the week of he had no control. Did you feel out of control of your body?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it had rebelled against me. I (laughs) couldn't understand why on earth this would happen. And, yeah, I felt broken. I felt really broken. I was going to lose my hair. And, um, you know, there were different surgery options, but I did choose to go with a double mastectomy. And so I was going to lose these parts of me that I felt were things that identified me, especially my hair. I had really long, straight hair before. Now I've got this chemo curl. (laughs) and Yeah, it's weird.
0: (laughs) So let's start talking about some of the treatment. You've had opportunity to um, process this, I guess, in a way. And then they give you the treatment options. You know, one of them is you have to have chemotherapy in that space.
1: Yes, so I had chemo first. Um, They often will do that these days with it first to shrink the tumour as much as they can. So it was uh, about 16 rounds of chemo. It would take about five months. Wow. And, yeah, one of them was very aggressive every fortnight. And the other was once a week for 12 weeks. And, yeah, it was Jenny, tough.
0: Can you share what that means to your body in the fact... I mean, you talked about the fact that you're a fit, healthy girl. You looked after yourself. And then a treatment is, is ripping your body apart.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Something you know is there to help you. Uh, it's aggressive. So, you know, I lost my hair... I was on uh, some steroids to help and whatnot and surprisingly I was actually like really hungry whilst on chemo. (laughs) A lot of people are really sick. Um, I never was, which was a huge blessing. I just felt really, really tired. I would have days, I was never one of these people who couldn't get out of bed but I had sort of three foggy days after the first uh, lot of chemo, a few days after and I just couldn't concentrate on anything. I think I just sat on the couch. The TV was on, I wasn't even paying attention to it. I was just staring at it. Um, And I just, I didn't realise how soon it would feel to not feel like myself.
0: Gemma, your relationship with God in this time, would it be fair to say that it took a bit of a beating?
1: Yeah, it did. Uh, I'd grown up in a Christian family, Uh, been to church my entire life, been to Christian schools and, uh, you know, I thought my faith was fairly strong, although I never felt like I'd really struggled and I knew that one day I would and I always wondered how I'd feel and react in that moment and, uh, yeah, it certainly was... (laughs) A struggle at times where I was just, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? How dare you do this to me? But um, it was actually my surgeon who, well, the first time I met him, he said, this is, this is going to trash the rest of your year. And to hear that was really hard. And a few weeks later, I... Um, I was reflecting on that and I thought about the old adage, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to find the treasure in this trashy moment. And, you know, even the day after I was diagnosed, I'd had a shower, which was probably a lot longer than normal, just wishing that I could wash it away. And I had music playing... And it was King of My Heart, uh, which the chorus just says, You are good, you are good. And I I sang along to it. It was probably the hardest song I have ever sung because of what was going on. But above it all, God was good. And I made a very, um, I was very determined to focus on that He was good.
0: Very tough to sing the words, you are good, a day after you've been diagnosed with cancer. Gemma, you were 26 or 27 at the time? 27. 27 at the time. As I said, you'd been married for a number of years. Um, A family is somewhere along the lines there. Was there a fear straight away at that space of, will I be able to have a family? Will I grow up to see children? Will I be able to raise children?
1: yeah absolutely. That was actually probably one of the hardest things was because of the chemo and because it's very aggressive, um, you know the, we just didn't know, we don't know uh, what will happen in that space. and you know it's been really hard, and that's something that does harass me a fair bit, and actually, it was Alicia who earlier this year uh, she was talking about Elisha and you know. that then when you focus on something and let it harass you, you know, it, it just, you know, it really disrupts you. And, uh, you know, when we focus on God, it's amazing what can happen.
0: Gemma, I'm going to get to the box in a moment, but um, I want to talk to you about a huge challenge for you because the chemo was bad enough, um, but then as a woman you chose to have the surgery of the removal of both your your breasts. And I think you used the terms with me, there was nothing scarier than the unknown.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, with every test that I've had, uh, regardless of what the actual result was, that waiting and not knowing was just really, really scary. Not knowing how bad the cancer was and not knowing how I'd react to chemo and uh, how I'd, you know, feel after surgery. All those things were just really, really difficult. And, yeah, I just had no idea.
0: <laughs> Jimmy, you shared with me very courageously that you went home and looked in the mirror and hated yourself.
1: Yeah. I did not want to look in the mirror um, particularly after I lost my hair, uh, I felt ashamed, even though there was nothing that I had done to feel ashamed about. I just, yeah, I even getting undressed in front of Troy, I think I, most of the time I would turn my back because I didn't want him to see me. And, yeah, thankfully after surgery um, and, yeah, all that, I gradually... Felt whole again.
0: Did you feel guilty? Did you feel like, have I done something wrong?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, when something bad happens to you, you expect that it's, you know, as a consequence for something else you've done. But it's not like that with a lot of health things. They just sometimes, they happen regardless of, you know how fit you've been, how careful you've been. Um, You know, a number of young women in particular, they've got uh, certain genetic markers that are the cause of uh, breast cancer and ovarian cancer. I had none of that. I will probably never know why, medically speaking, I got cancer, but I did. I wasn't too young. Something that doesn't discriminate.
0: In your year that uh, the doctors said was gonna be trashed, (laughs) I think it's a bit of an understatement, to be honest, you're facing the chemo, you're facing the significant surgery, you're facing all of the shame that you talked about, all of these things here. You're facing an unknown future as to what that looks like for kids. You're facing an unknown future as to what that looks like for your health. You've got everything stacked up against you. Everything is stacked up against you you wrote words of thanks to God.
1: I did. I. Uh, How do you do that? <laughs> it wasn't always easy. Uh, I was very determined, though, that in amongst it all, I would find the things that I was thankful for. And so I wrote... Uh, can, can you share a couple yeah, with us? Yeah, I can share a few. Um, I wrote a few... I had little notepaper um, and every day I would or almost every day I would just write even just one thing that I was thankful for. Uh, so sometimes it was the fact that I was feeling OK to do housework or that I could cook Troy dinner instead of him cooking for me. Um, so,
0: so you're heading into a chemo treatment, you're heading into a surgery, into an unknown future and you're writing these notes. Yes. Thank you to God. Yes. Wow. Uh,
1: so, yeah, there's a lot in here. I think what, this was one of the first ones that I wrote uh, on the 28th of June last year. And I said, I'm thankful for people equipped by God to work in health, uh, drugs to fight this stupid cancer, a family that prays, and Troy. <laughs> and yeah, some days all I could write on there was Troy, <laughs> because he did such a good job of looking after me. And uh, Yeah, so another one, 4th of October, Troy's 33 years and I happened to have lunch with Stevie that day. Come on. (laughs) And, yeah, so there's just a lot in here that sometimes they're really insignificant in terms of our day-to-day, you know, laughing with Troy. (laughs) But...
0: How do you laugh in this time, Gemma?
1: uh, It wasn't easy, Um, but... You know, I had really good people around me who were praying for me and who would, uh, you know, make inappropriate jokes. <laughs> I've got a pretty dry sense of humour. So having a laugh like that was quite good. You know, one of my colleagues, I'd, he'd be like, oh, this needs to be done. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I've got cancer. Like, yeah. And he was like, Gemma, stop it. <laughs> But it actually was a huge help just to be able to laugh in the face of cancer. Uh, It's not always something that we can do because it is heavy. But, you know, God actually made us to laugh. And, you know, that's something I love doing, is laughing. (laughs) Let's
0: walk through the journey. You've had the surgery. You've had uh, the chemo. When you go back into that doctor's surgery... The same doctor surgery where 16 months earlier, they tell you that your body is riddled with cancer. When you walk in there later on for more results, tell us the feeling of what it was um, post the surgery.
1: Yeah, it was actually the cancer center that yeah. I went to for that, but it, I had no idea I was gonna find out any news that day. It was a week after my surgery and I was just there for another treatment that I was continuing. And, you know, I think we had a few other appointments that day. And so, you know, I was like, oh, can my, my oncologist, can she come and see me at the day hospital because I've got this other appointment? And so, anyway, she came over and had this big smile on her face and was like, you've had a complete pathological response. And I was like, OK. <laughs> I don't do medical speak at all (laughs) and I thought she was talking about the lymph nodes that were taken a few weeks earlier that they came back clear and she was like oh that's not the reaction I was expecting and I'm like oh she's like it's gone the cancer was all gone when you had surgery I was like oh (laughs) oh that's good (laughs) all gone all gone it was completely gone um,
0: so you are cancer free
1: I am cancer free
0: what'd you say to God?
1: Oh lots of thank yous <laughs> and uh, yeah it was a funny day actually because it was um, about the twenty eighth of january i think twenty ninth and you know, we'd gone to this, uh, this appointment and then we went to my parents' house on the way home and, you know, told them and it was all very exciting but it was a hard moment too because my grandmother, who was 96, it would have been her 97th birthday today, and she was in hospital, she didn't have long left and it was a real blessing because my sister was over there and she had me on loudspeaker... And so I was able to tell Grandma, I'm cancer-free, Grandma. Her prayers had been answered. She'd lost her, grandma, her mother to breast cancer when she was 13. And so I know that she prayed over me every day. And for me to be able to have that really special moment with her, uh, she wasn't responding to much, but apparently she had a real definite grunt at that time. And it was almost like she was waiting for that news before she went home to Jesus.
0: There was also, and he doesn't know we're going to talk about this, but Troy suffered horrendous migraines for a long period of time.
1: Yes. Yeah, he would get them once a month, once every two months. Uh, You know, often it would just be from the stress of work and uh, all that kind of, you know, life. And actually the day that I had my first biopsy, my mum took me because Troy had a migraine that day. Uh, but since that day, I can actually count on one hand the number of migraines that he has had, and that's 18 months.
0: Come on. So, there's a guy, an author by the name of James Hudson Taylor, and he says this. He says there are three stages in the work of God: impossible, difficult, done. And I think that sums up your story pretty well. Impossible, difficult, done. It yeah. sums up our guide, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It really does. And uh, you know, even beyond the great miracle of healing that I had, I think the miracles that were evident through my life, both before cancer and um, along the way, you know, it wasn't necessarily the healing that was the miracle. It was the fact that I could give thanks for a great family, a great boss, great friends, you know, this beautiful place that we live, um, you know, all the miracles in amongst all that.
0: Gemma, we're going to... Um, and, and we are very cognizant about the fact we said at the start that there would be many here who are suffering from chronic conditions, uh, uh, diseases of some form, maybe uh, mental illnesses or anything around that space. And we were very uh, cognizant about the way that we would present this and, and do this. And something um, I know that you're the heart of you to share who's gone through this is that whole journey of being able to give thanks. Um, and in a moment, um, we're going to be taking some communion because that was a really important thing too to be able to actually give thanks to God with communion because it is one of the greatest ways that we can actually do something is to give thanks. Mm -hmm. And so before you do that, Gemma, um, because I know it's on your heart, is that uh, you're just going to share briefly as as they're going to start passing around the communion in a moment and as as the attendants just start passing it around, we want to encourage you to just hold it, just to hold the elements for a moment. Gemma's going to share, and then she's going to share for one or two minutes on that, and then she's going to sing a song, and the song goes by the title, I'll Give Thanks, and it's a song that Gemma shared with me that in the darkest times, in the toughest times, in the times when she physically couldn't see a light, she was able to somehow get these words out that I will give thanks what i 'm going to ask us to do is today, as I said, I believe I come in expectation, believing that a God who goes from the impossible difficult done, and so, as our worship team are going to come back up now i 'm going to ask us as the offering goes as, as the communion goes around, just to hold it in your hands, just to stay seated, just to have a reflective time as Gemma will share and then she's going to sing straight away. And then I'm going to ask, as you've taken your elements, when you feel a time, I'm going to encourage you to stand. Just when it feels right between you and God. Just to be able to stand. And then I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. I'm going to really encourage you here. Try not to get distracted because I believe there is a breakthrough coming. And it may not be for you, it may be for someone that you know. That if you are praying and believing for a breakthrough, a miracle to occur in your life, I'm going to come and ask you to stand on the front when you feel comfortable. Jim is going to sing the song, when you feel comfortable. That breakthrough might be a physical healing, it might be, Uh, a mental healing. It may be a relationship breakthrough that you're just praying for. The words uh, will be up on the screen. When you feel comfortable, just be able to sing them because we really want to be able to pray for them. I saw Gary here today. Gary, I'm going to come and get you in a minute because I want to pray for you because I believe there is a breakthrough in your life coming. We don't know what it is but we believe there is a breakthrough coming. And so I just want to encourage, just hold on to the elements. Gemma's just going to share for just one minute and then she's going to sing. And then when you feel comfortable, just stand on your feet. And if you're praying for a breakthrough in your life, whatever it might be, you might be like the woman who had an illness for 12 years. It might be that you've had a challenge here. Then just come forward because we would love to pray for you. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.